Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. I got, actually got a short message for you today. I didn't want to start uh, our next series without kind of sharing some of my thoughts today. So I'm going to, before we, before we uh, celebrate baptism today, in fact, if you came prepared to be baptized today, you've got your clothes, I'll let you know here in a few minutes, you can slip out, just follow the, follow the carpet back to the changing areas. Uh, and then if you came today and you maybe aren't signed up to be baptized, we're ready for you. We're ready for you. Uh, I don't think we've done a baptism yet that everybody who signed up, um, or I'll say it this way, everybody who got baptized was signed up. You know what I mean? We've had people jump in fully clothed before. Now, we have shorts for you, okay? You don't have to do that. Uh, we got changing rooms set up over here. Um, baptisms are by far some of our favorite times. But here's what I want to say today. Over the next four weeks, we as a church have an amazing opportunity to reach people like never before. There are two times a year that people, by nature, are naturally thinking about Jesus. That's Christmas and Easter. And so because it's Christmas time, uh, Jesus' birthday, like people are already thinking this direction. And you know what they want? They want friends who love Jesus. They may not know that, but that's what they want. They want a, they want a place where they can find out some answers. And here's the, here's the hard truth of the world that you and I live in, in the buckle of the Bible Belt, is we have a lot of people that actually have a false image of who God is. And it's time that they meet the one, the true, the real God. Amen? It's time that they meet Jesus. And so I just want to share with you guys, just briefly today, before we get into the baptism, five things that I believe that you and I have a responsibility to do this week. Going into our Christmas series, going into Christmas season, five things real quickly that I think that you and I have a responsibility to do over the next seven days. And number one is simply this, it's develop a Christ-like compassion for lost people. It's really easy to get in our day, I mean, we love church on the weekend. We love to come celebrate with our, with our worship team. Come on, did they do a good job today? Come on, love them, amen. We are blessed at Your Place Church. We really are. The worship experience is amazing. We have great friends. Doesn't matter which service you come to, it's the same experience, the same excellence on everything that we do. But what happens is, is we have a tendency to come here and kind of get our Jesus fix. And then we go back out into the world and we put on the shield. We put on this, this little protective barrier that kind of isolates us between the people we love and then those people. You know what I mean? But here's what we need to realize about those people. We were once those people. Are you with, are you with me, friends? They're just, and I say this delicately, they're lost. And what I mean by lost, if you're, if you're in a dark room where there is no light, 
you're going to be lost fumbling around trying to make it on your own. Jesus is the light. And most of the time, that light starts showing through you and I. When we talk about a a Christ-like compassion, my mind goes to Matthew chapter 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed them. For Jesus, it was more than just a feeling. You know, there's a difference between sympathy and compassion. Sympathy is being touched by the feelings of people. Compassion is all of that and being moved to do something about it. There's a difference between sympathy and compassion. Jesus had more than just sympathy. Jesus wasn't satisfied with being touched that people were lost. He had to do something about it, which is why the Bible says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. We could say, so he healed their sick, right? Jesus didn't just allow the the heartache of people to be like, oh, I'm so sad for them. He was like, no, let's do something about it. There's another reference in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd are lost. And he had compassion on them. One translation says Jesus was moved with compassion. When you're moved, it does something to you. Jesus went into the villages and he saw the multitudes of people and he was moved to do something about it. It reminds me of a story of Pastor Jim Cimbala. After uh, the final service on an Easter Sunday one weekend, uh, he's the pastor of the famous Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. But he felt exhausted after Easter services. I don't know how many they had that day. Brooklyn Tabernacle is huge. They're making a great impact in that city. But he was feeling exhausted. He took a seat on the edge of the platform. And when he looked up, a man with matted hair and ragged clothing was walking toward him. As he drew closer, the homeless man offered a crooked grin, a crooked smile, revealing two missing front teeth and his smell. Jim says, the smell, it was alcohol, sweat, urine, and garbage. It took Jim's breath away. Though Jim had worked uh, with homeless countless times before, the stench was worse than anything he had ever encountered. Instinct compelled him to turn his head sideways and inhale before looking into the man's eyes. Jim asked him his story. David shared that he had been living in an abandoned truck for the last six years. Jim knew exactly where this was heading, so he reached into his back pocket for his money clip, and the man protested the offer. He didn't want any money. He wanted the Jesus that Pastor Jim was just talking about. Jim describes closing his eyes and asking God for forgiveness. He felt soiled and cheap. And though Pastor Jim was a pastor of a a well-respected church, he wanted to get rid of the homeless man as fast as possible. Yet this precious individual crying out for a relationship with Jesus, the Savior, 
whose good news Jim had just preached about all day long, wanted a relationship with him. The man buried his filthy face into Pastor Jim's chest. Jim talked about Jesus' love, but rather than just saying the words, they were alive on the inside of him. And the odor that turned his stomach now became the loveliest fragrance he had ever smelled. Jim felt as if Jesus was saying, Jim, if you and your wife have any value to me, if you have any purpose in my work, it has to do with this odor. This is the smell of the world that I died for. Such a powerful story, isn't it? Jesus was moved with compassion. He went, he saw, he was moved. So what I'm asking us to do this week Slow down and just recognize people around us. I mean, we have, a, we have an amazing opportunity to win people to Jesus over the next four weeks. And this is probably one of the easiest messages, one of the easiest series to come to because people are curious. They want to know. They want to celebrate Christmas. We'll have Christmas music. We'll have Christmas decorations. It'll be a fun time. But what you need to know is we're going to win people to Jesus. Amen, everyone. The second thing we have to do this week is we have to add value to lost people. I think as Christians, so many times we want respect without relationships. We want respect. I think sometimes we're just as bad as the world when it comes to drawing up battle lines. I mean, our social media presence proves it. We get so offended about stuff. And so we vent it on social media, and little do we know, we're just stirring the pot. People don't really care about our opinions. What they care about is our relationships. They care about love. How do we take time? This week and slow down and get into people's worlds and see what they see and feel what they feel and build relationships with them instead of insisting that people respect us and respect our beliefs and respect our values. Let's add value to them. Let's figure out a way to get into their lives. We've all heard this before. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, 10 years ago, when Tyra and I, it felt like we just parachuted into Mays County. We didn't know anybody. We knew that God wanted to create this. We knew what his plan was. He he'd birthed that in our hearts. But as we would begin to share the story of what could be your place church someday, not very many people were interested uh, in those early days. Uh, it wasn't until we partnered with uh, Mace County DHS and started investing into the lives of foster families that it got the attention of people. And then all of a sudden, people were interested in us. And we figured out how to add value to our county. The biggest way, friends, listen to me, the biggest way to add value to people is to recognize what their biggest need is and fill it. If we can unlock the, the heart of a community, or if we can unlock the heart of a family, 
of, a, of an elderly couple who are alone, if we can unlock the heart of a, of a family who's having a tough time raising their kids or of a couple who's struggling to make it financially, if we can unlock their heart and find out what makes them lie awake at night and we can feel that need, we will win people, which is why, again, this month on December the 16th, we're doing our one big give offering again, and I'm super excited about it. We're receiving an offering on December the 16th, 100% of the offering we're giving away. We're giving it away to our five lanes, things that we know that God's called us to. Last year, we gave $42,000 away. Come on, amen? Wow. What an amazing opportunity. And this year, we're going to do it again because here's what we need to know. Recently, Oklahoma cut funding to foster families, and it's forcing them to figure out how they can, because their heart is for foster children, but now they're having to get creative in how they take care of and provide for these children who, for whatever reason, are the modern-day orphans of today. It takes us recognizing that that two-thirds of the world that we live in lives on less than one dollar a day. And it takes us partnering with ministries that that are global who are making a difference in some of those poverty stricken parts of our world, like Conduit Missions, who is building churches, orphanages, and schools in Uganda and Guatemala and Haiti. And how can we help them meet the need of our world? We also believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And so we're connected to the Association of Related Churches. Who is, we're, we're believing that we can plant 2,000 churches by 2020. Well, it's, it's, it's getting ready to be 2019. And I think we're in the 800 range somewhere. So we've got a little over a year to plant a... <laughs> A lot of churches, okay? we got to plant a lot of churches. So we want to be a part of that. And then it's recognizing that one of the greatest challenges of sharing the gospel in places where Islam dominates is preaching and sharing the gospel to Palestinians who, doing so, you, you risk your life. You're, you're, you understand that, right? Mayoz is an organization that is on the ground in some of those areas, and they're preaching Jesus. Are you with me? They're preaching Jesus to Islamic nations, and he's winning. Amen? So this is what we want to do. We want to give it all away. And then recently, Tyra and I was invited by John Maxwell to go and hang out with a group of people called One Hope. And I was not familiar with One Hope. Um, some people are, but basically we had the privilege of sitting down with, the, um, with a group of people who were, the president of One Hope was there, and he shared with us the story of One Hope, and, and the principle, the, the, the mission of One Hope is to get the word of God into the hands of every child in the world, and it's a daunting, daunting task, and this is, this is something we want to do. We want to give significantly to One Hope this year. Listen, this year on December the 16th, we want to give away. We're believing God to give away $50,000 this year. Can you join with me with your faith? Amen. 
We're gonna believe God to give $50,000 away. And so that's December the 16th, and uh, we're gonna give to One Hope as well. We believe they're doing a work all over the world, getting the word of God to every child in the world. The third thing that I believe we have to do this week is we have to understand their world. Paul went into their world. In fact, 1 Corinthians 9 talks about, though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible, he said. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. Uh, To win the Jews, to those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, as, uh, so as to win those under the law. Uh, to those not having the law, I became like one having the law. Though I'm free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Verse 22 says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Like he knows he's not going to get them all, but he's going to do everything he can to save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. How much time are we spending actually really understanding people? Everybody has a story. Something you may not know is over 20 million Americans over the age of 12 have an addiction. And we're not talking about just tobacco use. A hundred people die every day from drug overdose, and this rate has tripled in the past 20 years. Uh, Rates of illicit drug use is at its highest among those between 18 and 25. Over 90% of those with an addiction begin drinking, smoking, or using illicit drugs before the age of 18. Listen to this. 59% of all arrests in Mays County are drug and alcohol-related 51% of those are women in Mays County. Hope House is meeting that need, and we want to be partnered with them. The cost to house one of the ladies for their nine-month program is roughly $4,000, and they're making a difference in Mays County. We got to understand that every single person has a story. They have a background, and we got to slow down to recognize what it is. We have a responsibility to reach hurting people. Paul went into their world. You know, here's the thing I recognize. John Maxwell, at the, at the close of every one of his large events that he does, and, and this is secular events, he, he'll tell you, I'm, I, I go to the secular world and I teach them business principles. But at the end of every one of them, he invites them, if you want to stay and hear the real reason of my success, then come back after the break. And he says, very few people leave. And so we're talking about untold thousands of business leaders, entrepreneurs, just marketplace people that come and hear John tell this story. And he starts talking about how unsaved people have a wrong picture of who God is because nobody's given them a true picture. And this is especially true in, I believe, Northeast Oklahoma. Lost people, when you say, what do you think, or who do you think God is, they see a picture of a thick, high, massive wall, right? And they feel like God is on the inside of this wall and they are on the outside. And they'll never, ever really get to and or connect with God. 
And if I'm never really going to meet God, then I'm not interested. If I'm not going to meet you, then I'm not interested in even attempting to get over that wall. But what they need to understand is God actually did the opposite. Jesus jumped the wall and came to us. Amen, everyone? The other picture that people see when they see Jesus is they see a stairway leading up, this really tall, long stairway. And all you have to do is work your way up this stairway. And it's all about works and how it's really impossible and no one will ever reach the top. And again, they're, they're at this place where they recognize, I, every time I try, I just I blow it again and again, when actually they need to realize you can't earn your way to Jesus. There's nothing you can do that gets you to Jesus other than recognizing that Jesus Christ actually paid the price for us, and he came to us. Another picture that people see of Jesus or of God is a garbage dump. There's nothing appealing about it. Most people look at the garbage in their life and they say, why would God ever want me anyway? But what they need to understand is Jesus actually spent most of his time hanging out with sinners and those who did not feel worthy. And he was ridiculed for it. The most accurate picture that the people in your workspaces, the people in your neighborhoods, the people in your schools need to see of Jesus is the picture of an open door. Revelations 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and eat with that person and they with me. Christ is knocking at the door and he's just waiting for us to let him in. The fourth thing that we have to do this week is we have to find people's spiritual spot. I don't believe that we really believe people are going to hell. I don't think we really believe that. Because if we really believed that, we would be moved with compassion and do whatever we could to stop them. We think, well, I'm just let, I just let people make their own decisions. I just stay over my side of the fence. They stay on theirs. If they want to go to heaven, great. Listen, friends, if you were about to cross a bridge that you knew it was a 100-foot drop and the bridge was deteriorating and cars were coming, wouldn't you stop them? Because you know, well, I would just let them make their own. No, you wouldn't. You would stop them. I don't think we understand what hell really is. Matthew 25, verse 41 says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Forever. Eternal fire, the Bible says. Matthew 40, uh, 25, 46 says, And those will go away into eternal punishment. Mark 9, 4 says, uh, Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Luke 16, 24 says, um, talking about the story of, of, of Lazarus, did, have, send, 
Send him over, Father Abraham, so he can dip his finger in, cool, in water and, and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in this flame. It's not just a spiritual thing, it's a physical thing. Revelations 14, 11 says, and the smoke uh, of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. 1920 says, and these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And then simply Revelations 20, 10 the devil who had deceived them was thrown in the lake of fire and sulfur and uh, where the beast and the false prophets were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Do you believe that there is a hell? If we did, we would get creative in winning people. Christmas is an amazing time to win people, to save them from hell. And another thing that we have to do, we have to recognize that we have to go public with our faith. So many of us, we've said yes to Jesus. Baptism does not save you, does not get you into heaven. And I know there's been people that says, well, you got to be baptized to get to heaven. Jesus Christ is who saves you. Amen, everyone? Baptism is an outward declaration to people saying, I am no longer the person I was. I'm a brand new person. And the next step in many of your lives is to, is to go public with your faith, to jump in the tank. And if you say, well, I'm not signed up, I'm not ready. Listen, we're ready for you. Like I said, shorts, undergarments, hair products, it's all there, it's all ready. I have people tell me all the time, they're like, well, I got baptized once. Can I do it again? It's your first baptism, it sticks, okay? It sticks, if you will. But here's what, here's what the question I asked. I said, are you a different person today than you were then? Yeah, I am. Was that first baptism meaningful? Well, no, my mom just signed me up. Is this your decision? Do you want to be baptized? Is there something inside of you that says, I need to do it? Actually, there is. My word to you is jump in the tank. Just jump in the tank. We're ready for you today. In fact, the last thing that we have to do over the next seven days, and then we're going to baptize people today. And I know we're getting close to the end of service time, and here's what I know. I knew that I had to bring this message to you. If we're baptizing people till second service, come on. Amen. We'll just have the worship team come out, start second service. I'll dry off. Do it again. Amen. I just think it's awesome. Yeah, you can celebrate that, amen? I think it's awesome. Trust, trust God to be God this week. Just trust God to be God this week. Listen, friends, we live in a fallen, secular world. And I believe for some of us, the greatest moments we feel with God aren't even in church. They're, they're sitting next to someone who's a believer whose life has been changed. It's listening to a radio and, and, and flipping across and finding a Christian station, maybe, where someone's telling a story that identifies with them. It's reading a book. It's going to a John Maxwell event and him telling them the accurate picture of who Jesus is. It could be sitting next to you 
could be driving by Brahms right here and seeing the billboard for Your Place Church that's up. Come on, we got a billboard. Amen. Come on. I love it. And then them having this moment, this urgency in their heart that maybe now is a time for life change. See, secular people are with secular people all day long. What if God's waiting for us to just invite them, to just get into their world, to just build a relationship with them, to be moved by compassion, to to add value, to not demand respect, but to demand a relationship. And so we want to do that. In fact, if you're in the room today and you've never begin a relationship with Jesus. I just want to pray with you today. And you know what? If you want to, I can pray with you today. You can receive Jesus and you can get baptized all on the same day. It'll be amazing. So will you bow your heads with me? In fact, I want everybody in the room just to say this out loud with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in you and I believe in Jesus. Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my life and to make me a brand new person. I'm choosing today to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, guess what? If you're in the room and you've never accepted Jesus, you just did. And today you can go public with your faith. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more. 